Hey, listeners. After five babies, I've changed a lot of diapers. And I have opinions about them. A lot of people think Pampers Cruisers 360 are best to use when your baby is older. But in my experience, they're the best diapers to use as soon as your baby starts standing or walking. That's because these diapers don't have ordinary diaper tabs. They have a unique 360-degree stretchy waistband that makes it so easy to change your wiggly baby who just can't stop moving. Just slide on to apply, rip the sides to remove, and roll everything up with the disposal tape on the back. Pampers Cruisers 360 offer a gap-free fit that is up to 100% leak-proof and just got even better with a new blowout barrier. And since these diapers stretch with your baby, your active baby can move all over the place, getting into everything as usual. Pampers Cruisers 360 are available in sizes 3 to 7 and now feature fun new prints. For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician-recommended brand. Residents at Brightview Senior Living Communities enjoy enhanced possibilities, independence, and choice. Brightview Dulles Corner in Herndon and Brightview Great Falls offer vibrant senior independent living, assisted living, and memory care services through various daily programs and cultural events. Chef-prepared meals, safety and security, transportation, resort-style amenities, and high-quality care. Everything you need is here. Discover more at brightviewseniorliving.com. Equal housing opportunity. You're ready for a comeback. And with Purdue Global, you can do more than take classes. You can take charge of your story, of your career, of your life. Earn a degree you can be proud of and get an education employers respect. It's time, your time, not just to go back to school, but to come back and move forward with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback at purdueglobal.edu. Hi, this is Laura Vanderkam. I'm a mother of five, an author, journalist, and speaker. And this is Sarah Hart Unger. I'm a mother of three, a practicing physician, and blogger on the side. We are two working parents who love our careers and our families. Welcome to Best of Both Worlds. Here we talk about how real women manage work, family, and time for fun. From figuring out childcare to mapping out long-term career goals, we want you to get the most out of life. Welcome to Best of Both Worlds. This is Laura. We are going to be interviewing, or I am interviewing, Kendra Hall, who is the author of the brand new book, Choose Your Stories, Change Your Life. I'm very excited to talk with her about that. So yeah, storytelling. I mean, there's there's different views of, of storytelling. I mean, the, there's a, the positive one, which I think is what Kendra is getting at and how we can change the narratives we tell ourselves. But Sarah, you've noticed in life, a lot of people try to make stories out of stuff that's not necessarily story. Yes. I mean, I know you've remarked on a very tired trope that maybe you'll get into the story that we've we've heard a few times where we're like, but is it really as significant as you're building it up to yourself? I'll let you cover that part. But you know, sometimes when I hear somebody's story, it can actually change what I think about them in a positive way. So I was, when I thought about stories, actually, the first thing that came to my mind was how when we interview candidates for residency, sometimes they'll come with a really compelling story that does draw me in. So for example, we'll have somebody share that the reason they wanted to go into pediatrics was because they had cancer as a child and how that, you know, affected them and they're a survivor and everything. And, you know, if you really zoom out, like, 
that doesn't necessarily make that person a better candidate than someone else who didn't happen to go through that, you know, tragic experience. But at the same time, it can definitely draw you in or maybe will make me think that that person has different perspectives that they may be able to bring to the role. Well, definitely somebody who's been a patient extensively will have a different view of medicine than someone who has not. So yeah, I'm sure that's very important, which you're not making up though, having cancer as a kid, like that, that form of storytelling is totally legitimate. I'm talking more about the narratives where everyone likes the format or, you know, it's like a epiphany and then something changes, like everything has to change as a result of this epiphany. And the honest truth is that like stuff doesn't have to change and we don't have to take a lesson from everything. Or if, you know, we do, it can be a very, very small lesson as opposed to a large overarching one. I mean, where I see this all the time and people want to know, like, how did you come to the topic of time management? And, you know, I'll give you an answer if I know that that's like what you want, like a story, but there is no good story, right? Like there's zero good story. I mean, it's not like I was, you know, in chaos and some rock bottom moment and then crawled up from the abyss. I'm <laughs> like, my life is just way not that interesting. <laughs> you know, I'm like, well, you know, I was a reasonably organized student and a reasonably organized person. And then, you know, I thought about how I was spending my time and talked to how other people are spending their time. And more so even than that, I wanted to write books and I was casting about for topics that I could write about that people would pay attention to and that I was interested in. And so I don't know, it could have been baseball, but it isn't. It's time management. So here we go. <laughs> like I would have. I thought you were going to mention the story, like the the story we always hear about, like my house was a mess, my project was overdue, and I laid down on the floor. And my kids were screaming, and that's when I decided I had to quit my job. Like that, I feel like to me that's like the. I've heard that story like yeah. a lot of times. Uh, yeah. And it's like, well, you could have also decided I shouldn't have tried to cook an elaborate meal that night or like I or, need babysitting help. But instead, it's like, like my kids only- need to just stop screaming. <laughs> like That would be the one change I could see right there. Yeah, no, there's such this like working mother trope. And if anyone reads a lot of this sort of literature, it's like it starts with some dark moment of the soul, right? Where, you know, you... Or something's gone wrong. You've missed the softball game because of a late flight. And so we must join with the Greek chorus of the disillusion chanting how no one can have it all. Right. And it's like, no, like, I mean, I've, I've used this joke before here on this program, but I've missed a lot of softball games because I'm at somebody else's soccer game. Like, and, and nobody looks at that situation and says, oh, you should get rid of the other kid even though the result is exactly the same. Like you're not at the game. I mean, it's just, you know, we, we are still uncomfortable with mothers working. But anyway, the, the type of story Kendra is talking about is more like when we tell ourselves these stories, right? And, and we should explore what these are because often they're subconscious. I mean, they're, you, you sort of know they're there, but you don't realize how much power they have over your life. And when we talk about one in this interview, she had been about ready to turn down a really like a gig she really wanted. And it wasn't because of anything, you know, it was basically because she had one other trip that same week. And in her mind, you could be a good mother and go on one business trip a week, but two was just right out. Now, now where did that come? Like, like this is ridiculous. Like it's so specific in her mind that it's like, okay, well, one is a manageable level. One is something we can deal with. But if I've already committed to one, even if it's like the client I've been chasing after for a year, I shouldn't say no, I shouldn't say yes, because I'm already doing another trip that week. And everybody knows that you can't be a good mother and go on two trips in one week. (laughs) 
It's like a false choice or false dichotomy. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, we just want to make sure we we see what those stories are. Because once you call them to light, some of them are really ridiculous. I mean, some of them are very important. They give our lives meaning. Certainly narratives can, but some are also ridiculous. So, well, why don't we hear what, what Kendra has to say? Well, Sarah and I are very excited to welcome Kendra Hall to the program. Kendra is the author of the brand new book, Choose Your Story, Change Your Life. So Kendra, welcome to the program. Thank you so much for having me, Laura. I'm just, I'm honored to be here with you. Oh, good. Well, I'm honored to be here with you as well. So why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself, about your career and and your family too? Yeah, I started my career... I first got an idea for my career, though it was a very young idea when I was 11. I told my first story. (laughs) I know. I didn't drop out of fifth grade. Uh, I did keep going to school, but I told my first story when I was 11 and really saw it was to a room full of third graders. And in the first few sentences, I held them right there in the palm of my hand. And I knew in that moment at 11 that there was something to this story thing. And so it was a it wasn't a career at that point. It was an interest. But as time went on, I started researching the power of story within organizations and then using stories in sales and marketing. And then I wrote my first book, which was all about outward storytelling and how we can use stories to influence in business. And now, especially with the time that we're at right now, everything we've been through over the past couple of years decided to take a really close look at our inner stories, the stories we're telling ourselves. And in terms of my family, I get a lot of... It's it's really interesting to watch stories at work, even within a family. So I'm married. My husband is Michael. I have a son and a daughter. They're in elementary school and we live in New York City. Oh, and we have a puppy named Space Dog. Was Space Dog a pandemic puppy? Yeah, this- yes. And you know what? We held out to the very end. Like, well, we didn't, I guess we thought it was the very end at the time. Uh, and so now, and so yes, we will have, oh, it's almost, yeah, we've had Space Dog a year now. Oh, well, congratulations on, on Space Dog being there. Surviving. And, and, you got, and you guys stayed in New York City for the whole pandemic then. We stayed, you know, the school shut down and we, I guess we had, options, but there was definitely this sense of we are part of a really big story here. And I think we wanted to, as long as we felt safe, and and we did, uh, safe enough to stay, we wanted to witness that story from right where we were. So we stayed. Uh, lots of I went through for some runs down the middle lane of Madison Avenue because there was not. (laughs) It was just so empty. Just me. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's. I'm sure that was quite an experience. Yeah. I know. I've. uh, I heard a lot about people who who left, but uh, it's interesting to hear about people who wound up wound up staying as well. And yeah, definitely part of a, a fascinating story. So your book talks all about how people, you know, develop these stories and tell these stories that have just such profound power over our lives. And they're often not really examined, let alone, you know, actively tried to, to change. And so I wonder if you could share with your listeners one that I found really fascinating. It's one of the early ones in your book about Mike who ha- is, is not your husband, but your dad, your dad, Mike, we're surrounded by Michaels here. You, I'm, I'm married to a Michael, by the way. Oh, so good. Okay. Just, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We'll just use them interchangeably. We can just use them interchangeably. Yeah. But your father and the story he was telling himself about 
sort of what it meant to work. I wonder if you could tell our, our listeners about that. Yeah, it was. And, and and it's interesting to, it was interesting to send the story to my father and say, hi, this is the story I'm going to write about you. And then to see his story reflected through my eyes. But essentially, I mean, my dad is an incredibly charismatic, talented man. He's so good at networking and he was really, really good at his job. And this, of course, was years and years ago when I was growing up. And it was a grueling job. He was underappreciated. He had, you know, any any of those things that anyone working in a job for a long period of time, you have your ups and downs. And and he would have those moments where he would think, this is it. I need to, I need to find something else. I can do something else. I have the connections. I have the talent. I should do something else. And then there was this thing that made him stay. And and when I say this, you think about like, oh, it must have been, you know something outside. But when you really look at it, it was this story that came from his father that a secure job is a good job and you should stay. Like if you have a good job, you stay with a good job. And so he stayed for over 30 years until one day they let him go. Just after an entire my entire life at that point, he'd been at this job and they just let him go. And and it really was when he, he looked back, it was the stories of, of what a good job is. It's a safe job and it's better to be safe than to step outside. And he he believed in that story. He lived that story until that story was taken away from him. And now he's investing in real estate. He's in a rock band. He just he just finished his own book. I which yeah, he's trying to steal my thunder, but that's fine. That's a, that's okay. But it was it was the story that kept him there. It had nothing to do with his abilities. It had nothing to do with what he was capable of. It was entirely the story. Yeah, and when you when you reflected that back to him that you were seeing this, what was his reaction to that? I'm very curious. You know, it was I think it was all over the phone, of course, because of the nature of the timing. I think he knew it wasn't wrong. And maybe there was a sense of, I wish it were wrong. <laughs> like I wish, but that's that's also an important piece of this work and this and this book and this message is he the book isn't change your story, change your life. He can't change that story. That story happened. And so now it's more, what do you choose for the stories you tell yourself or even the story about that story? So I think, you know, and I, wa- I wanted to say, but I couldn't, and the way it's written, when you read it in the book, you, so this is kind of a spoiler alert. You don't know that it's my dad. And, and I, the first version of it, and Laura, you know, you're an author was, I, I ended with, but my, now my dad's amazing and everything is great. And he's so awesome. But some of that had to come out because that wasn't the point of the story. The point of the story wasn't how great he was. The point of the story was the story that was holding him back. So yeah. Yeah, that you have somebody who's who's very good at what they do and they have this very powerful story that that keeps them in a situation maybe past the point where rationally it, it would have uh, been been good to go. Well, we're going to talk more about that in just a minute. I'm going to take a quick ad break and be back about more about how our stories can shape our lives. So I'm here with Kendra Hall, who is the author of the brand new book, Choose Your Story, Change Your Life. And Kendra was just telling us about her father's story, 
that he lived with her so many years that a good job is a secure job and you don't let go of a good job, even if that's you know, maybe going to behoove you to do so. And, and it may not be up to you how long you get to keep that job in the long place. But you've obviously had many of the stories that, you know, it's not just your father. You have your own stories too. Um, one of the ones you tell in the book is about realizing that you had a very deep-seated story that you were telling yourself when you got a last minute invitation, could go do a workshop with one of your dream clients, mm-hmm. like get on a plane on a Saturday. So describe what happened in that situation and how you realized that you had various stories about what it meant to work and, and to have a family as well. Yeah, I think that, and it's interesting because these self stories show up in so many different areas of our life. It is in business and career. It is in family and parenting. It's in our relationships and our health. So they can pop up all over the place. And this story was, I got a call to go work for a dream client, like like dream. They were on. If I had a like vision, we've heard of them. Yes, yes, exactly. And like, if they, if there was a vision, their name was on the vision board. Uh, if I had one, and I got the call. And usually, when you get a call to do a keynote speech, it's six months in advance, a year in advance. And my agent said, and they need you to get on a plane tomorrow. Now, you would think, if you're following along with this, that maybe the limiting story that I had was about how can I pull it together? I'm not ready. How can I be ready to present for a dream, my dream client overnight? Uh, but that wasn't the case. I actually was ready. I'd been studying them. I knew exa- I knew that this was... They say fortune favors the prepared, and I was so prepared. However, I didn't say yes right away. I said, can I please have an hour? And the agent thought I was crazy because it, it just it was such an obvious yes. But I came home, my Michael said, I said, you won't believe what happened. And I told him and he said, and you're sad about it? Because he could see this look of torture on my face. And I went into the bathroom. I sat on the bathroom floor and I cried. I'm not a sit on the bathroom floor and cry kind of person. It's just not me. But I was completely, I was being suffocated by this other story, which is I'm failing my children. Because I have this passion for my work, which takes me away from my kids, there was almost this, you cannot be successful at both. You cannot be a successful mother and be a successful businesswoman, at least not in the business that I was in. And that story... And of course, I had a whole lineage of moments, starting with my own mother, who was a stay-at-home mom by choice, wanted to be. That was her dream. And so it was crafts and food and holidays and field trips. and, And then here I was about to leave again. And on the bathroom floor, I at first I kind of decided I would have to say no and that opportunity would just have to come back around at a better time. And then I decided to ask myself if maybe I had another story I could tell myself where I wasn't, that I wasn't a bad mom. And I don't know if you want me to tell that story. I remember it very clearly. Sure. you get, Well, I mean, what, just examining this, because it's sort of funny, because it's like, we have, I mean, the the stories are often so specific too. Cause I mean, the reason you were going to like turn them down is because you also like had a trip on Monday yes. that week. Right. Yes. So it wasn't, so we, our standard of a good mom is you can have one business. Trip I know. <laughs> yes. The story, the story is one. Exactly. <laughs> Two is just right it, out. It's, 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 it's beyond, it's beyond. <laughs> I mean, you're right. You're right. Like there are, and where do these rules come from? And where do these, where do these boundaries get set? And ultimately, yeah, like at what point do you get to bend the like I was letting that Monday flight dictate a dream, like a once in a lifetime opportunity. It was just 
And that's something else that I've learned throughout creating this book and the interviews that I did is how ridiculous these stories are. Like they are silly in most cases, in many cases. And so, yeah, I I found another story and they were plenty of them of times that I had been a great mother. And one of them in particular that served me really well in that moment was a memory when my daughter was about three. We were at home in her bedroom. It was very pink, building something on the floor with blocks. She looked at me and she said, mama, we're building a castle, which we needed a moat and a drawbridge. There was work to do on the castle, but that was fine. And she said, and we live in this castle, mama. It's our castle because we are two princesses, which to be seen as a princess by, she's obviously a princess. That's that's how she understands herself and that's fine. But that I was invited to be a princess too was pretty special. And then she looked at me again and said, and it's a big castle, mama, because we are two princesses who go to work. She was so like the determination and the pride and the we go and we get it done. Like there was just so much in that one sentence that really what I was forced to realize was that maybe what I'm doing is teaching my children to dream bigger, that this is what, and I hadn't really thought of that before. So I tried that story on instead, sitting on the bathroom floor and thought, what story am I creating for them by saying yes to this event? So I said yes, and it was amazing. And and I've used that story many times because that spiral can catch up to you at any given point. Any of our stories can. So I use that better one. Well, it's just interesting how we form stories too. And you talk about this a little as well, because you could have just as easily come out of that with a narrative you were going to go place at a magazine with one of these, you know, personal essays of like, I realized there on the bathroom floor that family was the only thing that mattered. You know, this was my epiphany and I'm going to, you know, make a whole story out of that. Yes. But you didn't, you chose a different story. Uh, So let, I mean, yeah, it suggests that we really can choose whatever we want. You're absolutely right. Like that exact same moment, I could have told myself the Princess Castle story and been like, no, I just don't want that. I don't want her to care about castles. I want her to be with her mother, right? And you're right, I could have left. However, that's the real quintessential point is if you have a vision for where you want to be, right? Like what that in the book, I talk, like the Emerald City, there's some Wizard of Oz imagery in there. And be choosing stories that help get you to where you want to be. And you can. There is So for example, in that situation, I split the difference. I told the agent that I would go to the event, but I couldn't leave on Friday. I wanted to have a family dinner and some great quality time with my kids before getting on the plane on Saturday, going and speaking, and then continuing on with my work for the week. And that's not to say that there haven't been times in my life where I have realized, no, I've gone too far, work is too much. But when I thought about where I wanted to go and who I wanted to be and and what was important to me, saying yes was the right choice. But it might be a different choice for someone else. You're right. Like it's it does kind of co- it's funny because when you look up the book on Amazon and you put choose your everything that comes up is choose your own adventure. Like there are like 400 choose your own adventure books and in that way it's not unlike choosing your adventure, choosing your story. 
Yeah. So just sort of practically for our listeners, because I'm sure we've all been in situations where we have a very strong reaction to something and we're trying to sort, how can you kind of tell that you are probing into a foundational story uh, in your life, like that you're dealing with something a little bit deeper than just, you know, the question of whether two business trips this week is a smart yeah, idea exactly, or not. Exactly, exactly. I would say there's several different ways. One of the ways is anytime you hear yourself saying something extremely definitively, and it's it's a limiting statement. So I am uh, one that happens a lot for people is I'm not, I'm just not enough. I'll never be successful. I'm just not good with money. Like these blanket statements, anytime you hear yourself and and sometimes you won't hear yourself. I recommend that you put a timer on your phone. You know, when your watch tells you to stand up, if you have an Apple watch or one of those tracking watches, that's also a signal for you to stop and say, what story am I telling myself right now? What's happening here? What, what is that one ticker tape that's going across there's an indication that there's probably a story there. Anytime you get one of those strong reactions to something, and even sometimes you can't quite put your... Have you ever had that happen where you're like, wait, something was bothering me just a second ago? And you go back, you had that strong reaction. That's an indication that there's likely a story there. I find that anytime I'm procrastinating, uh, I'm doing the laundry, I'm picking up my house, I'm sending emails when... I should be doing something else. There are likely stories there that are probably fear-based stories, failure-based stories that are keeping you from doing the thing you know you should be doing. Or anytime you sense some sort of spiral, it happens a lot for me in exercise. Like, oh, I can't do it. I don't have enough time. And I don't know. One time my husband, I wanted to go work out, but I wasn't working out. I was just thinking about wanting to work out. And he just put on his shoes and went out the door and went for a run. And I was so mad. And because, well, there he, he doesn't even have to think about what the kids are going to, I didn't have to think about what the kids were going to do either. The kids are fine. But what I needed in that moment to get out and do my workout were some very small, so it can come up in really small ways too. Some really small stories that reminded me of the benefits of like how I feel after I exercise. So it can, uh, there are a lot of different, there are a lot of different ways, but I think that's one of the that's one of the things I hope people take away from this book, if nothing else, is just the awareness that, wow, maybe there is more to this. Maybe there are some stories here that I need to work through and choose better ones. Yeah, because there are some good stories we tell ourselves too. I mean, the, you know, certainly. But the problem is that the negative ones tend to have an outside effect, right? I yeah. mean, because it's the ones that are, you know, keeping us from doing things that we wish to do mm-hmm. are the ones that we should look at choosing differently. Yeah. And, and know that, I mean, that is how our brain is programmed. Our brain is programmed to keep us safe. And so the negative stories and keeping us in line and a little bit afraid is our brain is doing its job. But if you have a bigger desire, then it's kind of time to take it off autopilot in that way. Yeah. So so for our listeners, though, practically, what does this look like to choose a different story? One of the great stories in your book is about a, a gentleman who is a financial planner. And every week, he's confronted by this triggering email from his company showing like the leaderboard of sales, which he is he is never on. Right. Right. <laughs> so every this is how his company chooses to start Monday morning for whatever reason, like send out this email showing like 95% of the company that they're failures. So be that as it may, he's getting this email every morning. 
how does he choose a different story? Maybe that can give our, our listeners some practical tips. Yeah. And there is, that was something that was important as well, is to have practical tips, to have a pathway forward so that this is something you really can do, not just think about. So even working backwards for him, he knew when a negative story was triggered, when this story of I'm mediocre was what it kind of all boiled up to. Was I'm just mediocre. I'm never going to be the best. And how that really made him feel bad. And so to choose a different... So he was... The process, you have to start by catching that, catching those stories. So so he knew like, wow, I'm, I'm mediocre. He had some stories from his childhood where he was never the best. And then analyzing, okay, where did these come from? Why are they here? Can I look at this differently? Do these stories serve me? And ultimately, then the third step is to choose a better one. And in the process of choosing a better one for him, it was one that was outside business. It wasn't directly related to success in sales. It was a story about planting a tree and and his grandfather had planted these trees and his father had commented on, you know, your grandfather planted these trees and now we get to enjoy the shade and this like really beautiful story about doing something now for future gain that may not even be for you. And him, and then he that summer had gone out and planted a tree and how good that felt for him and and what that really meant. And for him, retelling himself that story realigned him with who he really is and why he's really here. And he's not the, you know, fast and loose, I'm going to try to book as many clients and get as many deals through and, you know, however, whatever it is, he really is a person about longevity and and seeing that all-encompassing beauty of life, which just happened to serve him well as a financial planner. And he did say that then his clients, as, once he found that story and used it to ground himself, his client interactions got a lot better because they got a better sense of who he, the essence of who he was. And so now every time that email comes in before he opens it, he revisits that story so he can open that email from a very steady place of knowing who he is and being able to move forward from there. Wonderful. That's a great story. So just shifting gears a little bit, because I, I read something in your book that <laughs> tell me a little bit about your Lego projects. Oh my gosh. Yes. Uh, Laura, I love Legos. I love, I love <laughs> I mean, Legos. I think who doesn't, but you know, maybe not everybody. <laughs> you no, know, it's so funny because people will come over to our place and say, oh, look at all their Legos. And I'm like, no, not their, those are, not my, their Legos. Those are my Legos. <laughs> my Legos. <laughs> but but it, that was actually one of the, the reason that's in the book is like, what is your story for self-care, right? Like you get to, like some people it's, I was just out with friends the other night and they're like, oh, a massage. And I'm like, Wah. I don't like massages. They take, they're too long. They're too, I don't know. There's just something I should probably get massages. But instead, I would rather sit on the floor and build a Lego set because I feel productive. And I, we do that as a family. And it's a great way to just be together and I'll be working on something. So you get to choose, which Again, it's not always going to be one size fits all. I hear a lot of shoulds. Uh, well, I should. This is what it should look like. This is how family should work. This is what a career should look like. You know, I 
just the other day, I was talking to a woman who's an expert. She's done so much research. She's just really well-respected in her field. And she said, I can't tell you how many times she said out loud, I should write a book. I should write a book. I should write a book. And I just wanted, but do you want to? Like, do you want to do? And if you don't, you don't have to take everybody else's story or the story they're trying to cram down your throat. If you don't want to write a book, then don't. Find the story that works for you. And so for me, it's not massages. It's not baths or facials. It's Legos. I'm a big fan of Legos too. We're, <laughs> we're, we're a Lego family over here. We just, Kendra and I are recording this in mid-December. We just completed our um, Christmas oh, scene yes. that they do each year. You know, I'm thinking of buying a second one because I found the Elf Clubhouse. So we may have to go get that one. And as do you well. know that they have, do you have the Home Alone house? I do not. I, do the, oh, I know. I I thought I saw, I got served an ad for a Ooh. Lego home. I know. They know me well. They know me <laughs> they well. They know you well. <laughs> for, the, for the home alone Lego house. Yeah. I wish yeah. You, I'm going to look that up. I'm going to look that up. Yeah. Well, and Lego is on to this, by the way. I, they had a wonderful ad in a magazine I saw recently where they had a gentleman who was clearly like just home from work. And it's like, it said adults welcome. And he was like unwinding while, you know, making some Lego scene. Yes. So they're on to us. I they, know, they, they know. know. They know. They know. Well, <laughs> they're like, I, you, did, you did. didn't buy that for your kid. I know you didn't. I know. Well, you can see even in the background there, I've got the Lego typewriter. Do you see Ooh, it right there? Nice. I know. Well, that's a good scene for an office. I to know. Have you a like Lego that Lego typewriter. You should get the Lego typewriter. Get it now before it sells out. <laughs> I know, before it sells out. Exactly. Exactly. Well, Kendra, this has been great. We always end with a love of the week. Just something that's cool that we either discovered or found or read or saw or listened to or whatever. Legos could definitely be it. Yeah. Although I have a different one. I could go first. So I just found out, maybe everybody else knows this, but that the notes function on your iPhone can actually scan documents. <gasps> oh, yeah. This was like a total game changer. Yes. As I was like, explaining to someone like, okay, I'll get that stuff to you, but I just got to get my scanner hooked up and all this. And he's like, Laura, I have a... Hope I got it deal for you. Oh, wait, it can do it. That like you could just have a, a piece of paper and scan it with your just no. have a piece of paper, open notes in your iPhone, and then it's like go to like the camera and that it's it's, it's scan document yes. comes up. Oh. And it, it takes, you know, it's a PDF. It turns it right into you can email it to somebody or whatever you want to do. Oh my gosh, that's amazing. Uh, yes. now I'm trying. I don't have anything <laughs> as cool as that. I really don't. I I would say the thing that is like really giving me life right now is is Soul Cycle. Ooh. And I'll say not in a like exercise, fitness, like nothing to actual actually do with my body health. Like it has nothing to do, but it is a place to go when you just want to hurt yourself a little bit. Like you you know like where you just want to like if you want to be really angry but also kind of like peppy and productive at the same time. Like I've been going way more than I should. And again, not to get in shape, but just to, just to get it out. It's well, been it's a good to, to be there in mid-December before the crowds descend. The beginning of January. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I can't even spot. imagine. Oh my gosh. I totally forgot. Well, they'll be gone by February. Unless, they'll be gone by February. unless they start changing the story they tell they, themselves. They choose their I'm story. Not, like, no, I no. May, I am a person who exercises. No, I may never get enough. Forget I said that. Uh, I really <laughs> like celery. That's my new find of the week. If you never <laughs> had celery. Everyone else should like celery yeah, too. There, yeah. Choose that story. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, Kendra, thank you so much for joining us. Where can our listeners find you? Well, you can find me at KendraHall.com. Of course, I'm there. 
I am on Instagram at Kendra Hall, LinkedIn, Facebook, any of those places, and also at SoulCycle or the Lego store. (laughs) SoulCycle and the Lego store. Exactly. So look for Kendra there. All right. Thank you so much, Kendra, for joining us. Laura, loved being here. Thank you. All right. Well, we are back. That was a great interview. I'm actually recording this part from a closet in my new home. There's like weird beeping going on. So I'm trying to be as far away from it as possible. Just if I sound a little weird, I'll put more blankets in here soon. Hopefully soundproof it as well. But anyway, we're here with the the question. And this is um, from a listener who requested that we call her Anne. (laughs) And she said, listening to this podcast has changed my perspective so much. She was telling herself various stories. She grew up in a conservative religious culture where staying home with kids and not working outside the home is considered the most important thing a woman can do, partly for various run-of-the-mill patriarchal reasons, but also to instill your values and faith into your kids' worldviews, which I think may make slightly more sense than just the straight-up patriarchy. But anyway, she says, she's kept my faith, but found myself at odds with many of the traditional views of my upbringing. She has a great job, so she is seriously considering not staying home full-time when her first kid is born next year. So, you know, with the topic of childcare, she's heard the standard tropes of, oh, letting someone else raise your kids. She's also, you know, concerned with school. Like, you know, how is she going to be able to be sure that her her values are, are represented in that? So, you know, she asks us about that, about sharing values, about faith, or how much of an active role you can take in these things, um, and how you can also ensure that your parenting preferences are carried out when you have paid primary caregivers versus being the primary caregiver yourself. So Sarah, what was your take on this? Oh my gosh. My first take was just, this was like a really difficult, like almost juicy question. (laughs) So we will try to do it justice, but I'll also be interested in others' perspectives um, just because this does seem, it actually is, is something I hadn't, I don't know, like I'm sheltered in a way where I don't know as many people with this kind of upbringing and these kind of challenges. So this question was also just sort of interesting and a little bit eye-opening for me to read. From my perspective, which obviously is a bit different, I do think kids soak up so much of what we do, how we talk, how we act, what our values are, even if they're going to school. And I'll point out, uh, Laura will remind us all, there are 168 hours in a week. And even if we work 40 of them, that leaves plenty of times for the kids to be home with us and observing us like all weekend long and every night, etc. There are objective studies. If you look at Emily Oster's book, The Family Firm, she kind of goes through data about what happens to kids when the parents work. The short answer is nothing terrible. There are slightly higher rates of obesity, but it doesn't sound like that's your main concern. Um, and even that is, you know, there are myriad other factors that are going to influence uh, the risk of obesity in your children. I will say you know, this is interesting because you you mentioned like public versus private. And you also mentioned like Laura being definitely more religious than, than I am, which is true. And we are in a Montessori that is non-denominational and we love it. It's not really for a values issue. It's more just for kind of a nurturing environment and educational style. But it does sound to me like a happy medium for you if it's available in your area would be a high quality religious education if that's something that you're interested in. And, you know, it's never too early to think about where you live and what schools are are available because some people choose to live in an area where a school matches what their preferences are. So I think that might strike a balance for what you're looking for because it sounds like you really want certain ideas and cultural values to be emphasized. And hopefully there is a school out there that, that kind of matches what you're looking for. 
Yeah, I mean, I think that's definitely something to to keep in mind as you look forward. As for, um, you know, hiring a caregiver, like if you hire somebody good and sort of share what your values are, like they are going to support that. And one of the things you can certainly do, even with younger kids, is sign them up for activities that will support your values. Um, There's all sorts of like religious programming that you can, you know, involve kids with, um, you know, maybe if your faith community has various like playgroups or, you know, after school events and runs various things, making sure that your children are involved in those would be a good way to, to establish that. And of course, your caregiver will happily bring them to those, um, you know, if you've, you've signed up and they might be on the lookout for things, too. And again, if, if you hire someone good, like they are not going to undermine your values, like you, you obviously you cannot hire someone based like on their religion, like what you're getting into hiring is discriminatory and all that. But again, if you know what your values are, then the person who is helping raise your kids as their job will help support your values to, to do that. And I've even seen that in things like, um, you know, if people are observant Jewish families, for instance, who keep kosher, they will, you know, hire caregivers who then train and how to keep a kosher kitchen, for instance, as a way to even though if the caregiver themselves is not part of that community, it's something that you can learn. And so obviously with the evangelical Christian, there's less things, you know, associated like that with like household upkeep, but you know, you can share whatever your values are and, and the person can support them. I would also say that, you know, if you are going to go the religious school route, it might help to keep your job because putting lots of children through private school is not going to be particularly cheap. So something to uh, support your idea of continuing to to work. I do find it interesting that people have come up with this idea of um, it is somehow in keeping with religion and faith for women to not have any sort of paid gig. I suspect that many people saying that have not, in fact, read the entire Bible through and are pulling, cherry picking various verses here and there. I've always thought that the Proverbs 31 woman sounded like a bit of an entrepreneur to me. She was managing land holdings and all that such stuff uh, in addition to to running her household. So that's another verse you might look into. But I would say if you're going to determine your life based on what you think scripture says, make sure you've read it. Like make sure you've read through the whole thing. All right. Not just a few phrases here and there, because I have read pretty much the entire Bible. And I have come away with the thought that women are treated a lot more prominently in in the Bible than they probably were at the time. And I think that's because God has a special place for us and roles for us to do that are beyond just what we do in our families, that we have so much to contribute to the larger world as well. And you can see that in many of the stories of the great women of the Bible, the great saints through history, the women who have built amazing social movements and who have, you know, helped keep the church going for, for a great many centuries and such. So anyway, just my my takeaway there. But, you know, as Sarah said, there are 168 hours in a week. And so there's plenty of time to work, to share your faith, to be part of your faith community to um, have friends, have hobbies, raise wonderful children, all that stuff too. And if you're worried about what other people will say, I mean, such is life. I, I think a lot of, you know, people care a lot less about our lives than we think. You know, everyone is ultimately living their own life. 
And so you just have to say, well, what what makes me and my family work? You know, what makes me happy? What makes my kids life work? What makes my family life work? And if you feel like you would like to continue in your career, then that's great. And you can either come up with a pocket phrase to answer to people whenever they say something or just, you know, laugh it off because, you know, ultimately it's between you and God and not anyone else. (laughs) All right. Well, this has been Best of Both Worlds. I interviewed Kendra Hall on the stories we tell ourselves. We will be back next week with more on making work and life fit together. Thanks for listening. You can find me, Sarah, at theshoebox.com or at the underscore shoebox on Instagram. And you can find me, Laura, at lauravandercam.com. This has been the Best of Both Worlds podcast. Please join us next time for more on making work and life work together. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80, live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infinity QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. That makes us FACET for life now, I guess. (laughs) Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. Residents at Brightview Senior Living Communities enjoy enhanced possibilities, independence, and choice. Brightview Dulles Corner in Herndon and Brightview, Great Falls, offer vibrant senior independent living, assisted living, and memory care services through various daily programs and cultural events. Chef-prepared meals, safety and security, transportation, resort-style amenities, and high-quality care. Everything you need is here. Discover more at brightviewseniorliving.com. Equal housing opportunity.